0: hey guys it's leah b from prestige veteran medical consulting i'm a u.s army veteran physician assistant and former compensation and pension examiner today i want to come on and talk about what happens in a cmp exam for shoulder pain or shoulder conditions i've done several videos related to what happens in a cmp exam and a lot of people have found them helpful because it's super nerve-wracking to go to a cmp exam and A lot of veterans just don't know what to expect, but it's really pretty straightforward. So the examiner is gonna go over the disability benefit questionnaire with you. That's pretty much it, right? So they're gonna go over that DBQ with you, and I'm gonna show you that today. And then they're going to send that up to the rater, and the rater is gonna look at that DBQ and marry it up to the 38 Code of Federal Regulation to determine what your rating should be. Okay, they're gonna look at your other evidence as well, but they're gonna look at this DBQ to determine if well, for one, if it's a already a service connected disability, if you're going to get an increase, or if they're going to decide whether you should be service connected for the for the issue or not, they're going to get this DBQ and the medical opinion. Okay, so let's talk about how you can get service connected for your shoulder so you can either get connected on a primary basis or on a secondary basis if it's a primary basis that means that you injured your shoulder in the line of duty while you're on active duty or whether you were in combo two or three in the reserves with the national guard you injured your shoulder in the line of duty okay so it could have been many many years ago and you know let's say you injured it 20 years ago and now it's bothering you you might want to have a really good story not story but a really good explanation as to why you didn't see care for that time. So I would really make sure you have a good personal statement about you know whether or not you had intermittent care or maybe you didn't have money or insurance or you self-treated. I've, I've seen a lot of veterans say, hey, I was treated, but my doctor doesn't keep records past seven years, so I don't have those available, things like that. So on a secondary basis, you can be connected for your shoulder if another joint or another uh, service connected disability caused you to have shoulder pain. So let's say you're service connected for your left shoulder and you're overusing your right shoulder. So I see this a lot with the lower extremities, but with the upper extremities, I really wanna know what is what are you doing in your life to cause overuse of the upper extremity, right? So the lower extremity, the left to the right, your body has to bear weight. And so you may be overcompensating from one side to the other. Now, the upper extremities can do the same thing, but things that I hear that make sense to me are if you're a painter, right? Like things like that. If you're a painter for a living and now you're having to overcompensate, you used to paint with your right arm and it fatigues easily and now you got to use your left arm. Or let's say you have to drive a lot and you have to keep your arm up in this position. You're getting fatigability of one side or the other. If you do a lot of manual labor, things like that, explain how you're overusing one side versus the other side. Okay. So that's from a secondary service connection standpoint. So, what happens at the CMP exam? You're going to get a phone call from the after you put in your claim whether you do it by yourself or you use a legal professional like a VSO to assist you, you're going to get a packet in the mail or you're going to get a phone call or you're going to get both that's going to say, hey, we have you scheduled for a shoulder compensation and pension exam at this time, at this location with this doctor or PA or whatever. So it's going to tell you where to go, what time to be there, and it's going to tell you who it's going to be with, right? So who it's going to be with is going to be determined by if it's for an orthopedic condition, it should either be with a doctor now it can be it should be with a medical doctor, right, or a PA or a nurse practitioner, it can also be with a DO. when it comes to physicians, but someone that's gone to medical school, right? So we don't send, um, people don't go for a shoulder exam with a psychologist. They don't go for a shoulder exam with an audiologist, a doctor of audiology. They don't go to one with an optometrist who are also doctors. It's a a medical doctor um, or a DO that has been to medical school or a physician assistant or a nurse practitioner because it's within their scope of practice, right? so they're going to tell you let's say it's a and it can be any type of doctor right it doesn't necessarily have to be an orthopedic surgeon it can be a rheumatologist it can be a dermatologist it can be a any type of doctor that's gone to medical school you know some people might get upset well they're examining my shoulder and it's a family practice doctor or they're examining my shoulder and it's an it's a gynecologist well guess what? Those, they're still doctors and they went to medical school. Okay. And they had an intern year. And so they do get taught those things, although they do specialize in other conditions. Shoulders are really not that, orthopedic conditions are really not that crazy, um, especially because the guidelines in this DBQ tell them exactly what to examine. Okay. So from, from there, you should be able to look them up if you'd like to, and see if they've got great reviews, terrible reviews, you know, Veterans provide reviews sometimes on how their experience was with that doctor. So you can Google doctor such and such and look them up and see, you know, in your area if they've got, they might not have anything, but it's something that veterans do. Right, So you're going to show up to your CMP exam and they are going to go over the DBQ. Now you can pull up the disability benefit questionnaire off of VA.gov and you can look at it yourself. The VA should also send it to you in the mail in that same packet so you can take a look at what's going to be asked of you. Now the examiners sometimes they go off on a tangent, but they really should be just specifically sticking to this. This is what they're asked to fill out when you go there. They might also be asked to give a medical opinion if this is for a new service connection. But this DBQ is what they're going to do when they examine you. Okay. So I'm going to pull that up for you guys and we're going to go over it. And you guys can look at, you guys can pull this up on va.gov. Like I said, it's the shoulder and arm conditions, DBQ, disability benefit questionnaire. And so I'm going to blow this up for y'all. Okay. So the first thing they're going to do is they're going to look at, they're going to put your name, they're going to fill this out for you. Okay. When you get there. So they're going to pull you in the exam room. They're going to fill out your name, your social security number, today's date of uh, t- the date of the examination. They're gonna ask uh, who are you completing this DBQ at the request of the veteran or of someone else? So did the VA ask you to do this, um, the examiner? Or di- you know, you could be taking this DBQ, you could print it off and take it to your treating provider, right? Your own private doctor and ask them to fill this out. Um, it's asking the examiner more information about themselves. Are they a VA healthcare provider? Is the veteran regularly seen as a patient in your clinic? Was the veteran examined in person? I would hope so because I don't know how they're going to do your range of motion without being in person. Um, what evidence was reviewed? None. Or what What was it? Was it your service treatment record, your VA records, your private records, in the date ranges? So what is your dominant hand? They want to know, are you right-handed or left-handed? Or are you ambidextrous, right? This can be important because you can have a lot of more dysfunction if you're right-handed and your right shoulder is the jacked up one, right? So list the claim conditions that pertain to this questionnaire. So they're going to go down here and they're going to check them as well, but they can type in what are the specific conditions that pertain. Now, I know y'all probably don't know about this because I don't really talk about my own injuries very much, but my shoulders, man, I injured my shoulders, both of them terribly, about two years ago, and I fell through my attic putting away Christmas decorations. How horrible is that, right? But I fell through my, as many times on active duty, I went to air assault school, airborne school. They taught me how to PLF. I knew how to do all this stuff, and I was safe mostly through most of those um, exercises that I did. I fell through my flipping attic putting away Christmas decorations, and it was debilitating. I mean, and I'll go into this more when I do different shoulder videos, which I'm fixing to do a bunch of them because I'm super, you know, super into the shoulders, mostly due to the injuries that I had. Also being on active duty, we treat a lot of orthopedic issues, um, but the shoulder really gets me hyped up. So I'm I'm excited to do this video. So what are those conditions? Did you have a shoulder strain, shoulder impingement, biceps tendonitis, bicep tendon tear, um, rotator cuff issues you know tendonitis a rotator tear so let me start back out because i'm i'm proud of this little badge i wear but i had a shoulder impingement i had a rotator cuff tear i had a labral tear which is also called a slap tear i had subacromial bursitis i've got ac joint arthritis i had let's see there's a bunch of stuff in here i had glenohumeral joint instability i had degenerative arthritis and the absolute worst i don't know if it's on here is adhesive capsulitis oh goodness good lordy i hope you guys never have to experience adhesive capsulitis cuz that is one of the most painful things you will ever experience in your life i'm going to do a video on that soon so i'll i'll get into that more but all these different conditions You know, you can have one or more of them. You can have them on the left or the right side. Mine were on both sides, right? I had issues on both sides. Um, Okay, then if there's other shoulder conditions, they can be listed here. So medical history, describe the history. Okay. Whatever your history is like for me, uh, I fell through my attic while I was putting away Christmas decorations. Now I wasn't on active duty at the time, so it's really irrelevant. But if you were on active duty and you fell through the attic, that's what you'd write there, right? Does the veteran report flare ups of the shoulder and or arm? Yes or no. Like, does it hurt? at a one out of 10 most days, but then when you're doing a lot of upper body activities, does it get to like a seven out of 10? And explain why, what are the precipitating factors? What makes your shoulders hurt worse when you're having those flare ups? What makes it better? Taking medication, um, doing physical therapy, etc. Does the veteran report having any functional loss or functional impairment to the joint extremity being evaluated on this questionnaire, including but not limited to after repeated use over time? So are you not able to use your arm anymore? So I can tell you right now, when I had adhesive capsulitis, I could not lift my arms past like here. So I couldn't even brush my hair. I couldn't get my my arm back at all to brush my hair. I couldn't put it in a ponytail. I had my teenage daughter help me wash my hair. It was the worst. I had difficulty pulling my pants up and down because I couldn't get my arm back here. It was just terrible. So are you having functional loss or functional impairment? Range of motion. These suckers better get out a goniometer when they're doing your range of motion. Do not it is a no-go. Do not collect $200. Do not pass go. None of that stuff if they are not re- measuring your range of motion with a measuring tool. They should not be measuring your range of motion by eye- eyeballing it, okay? They need to get the goniometer out. I don't know where mine is right this second, but I've got a video on range of motion measurement. You guys should check it out. They should be measuring it so they can get an accurate reading of your flexion and extension and your abduction, um, all that kind of stuff. Right. So right shoulder, left shoulder, they're going to get all these range of motion measurements. This is just a bunch of questions asking if it's normal or abnormal. Okay. Now they're going to get into the specifics. So here's shoulder flexion. When you're lifting your arm up, shoulder um, abduction is when you're taking it away from the side. Abduct is to take away internal rotation so there's different ways to check internal rotation and external rotation of the shoulder joint so remember they're checking the joint so they may uh let me see if i can they may flip your arm back like this they may go forward like this Um, they may test it you know behind your back etc so they should be checking both sides and then they're going to talk about limitation of motion. Is it, does it attributable to pain, weakness, fatigability, and coordination? Please note the degrees in which limitation of motion specifically is attributable to those factors. Okay. So they're going to do active and passive range of motion. So that means they're going to do range of motion where you're moving it actively, you're moving it or they're moving it. They're going to grab your arm because you may not be able to move it um, like when I was in physical therapy, I could move it just a little bit, but when my physical therapist would grab it, he could manually push me further, right? They're not supposed to be pushing you to the point of pain, right? But they, they do need to get an accurate measurement of your range of motion. Okay. So is there evidence of pain? They're not going to know unless you tell them guys. All right. So they're not mind readers. You better tell them when it hurts. That's painful. Okay. Even if your range of motion is perfect, if you got pain in motion, you should at least be getting 10%. So you better tell them it hurts. Um so more range of motion stuff. After three after three repetitions, they should be doing it again Re- for repeated use over time. They're they're gonna ask, is this, you know, did you just go play tennis right before you came in here? You know, have you have you been? you know, doing a bunch of excessive activities before you came in for this exam, okay? Functional limitation. They're asking if you have a functional limitation, you know, again, more range of motion measurements. Is this during a flare-up, yes or no? If it's not during a flare-up, they want the examiner to speculate, kind of. I don't want to say speculate because they're not supposed to speculate, but they're supposed to tell whether or not they believe it would be worse if it was during a flare-up. So in addition to the, those addressed above, are there additional contributing factors? Like do you have swelling, deformity, weakened movement, instability, atrophy of disuse? So is your left bicep tendon way smaller than your right one because you can't, um, you know, it's not functional. Right? So again, with muscle atrophy, that's it they they're supposed to measure both sides so they can show that vast difference if there is a difference because that's going to give more information about it just being not as functional as the other side. Do you have ankylosis? So is there stiffness? Is it immobile? Okay? Rotator cuff conditions. So these are all special tests, you can Google them. They're pretty interesting. Um Hawkins test is going to test for impingement, so they're going to want to see I'm going to do a separate impingement video, but Hawkins test is, is essentially looking to see if you have an impingement of your, um, basically in your subacromial space, they're going to start cranking down, kind of going this way to see if that hurts. I know that doesn't make a lot of sense to you guys right now. You can watch those videos, but they're trying to crank, um, different structures inside of your shoulder joint to see if it's getting compressed. Okay. So they're trying to accentuate those movements to see if they can cause an impingement empty can tests, external rotation infraspinatus strength tests. So these are all different tests to look at your rotator cuff. Lift off is something that can help with subscapularis. Again, they're pretty neat. Go check them out. But these are the tests they're going to look at to test your different rotator cuff muscles, shoulder shoulder instability, dislocations, or labral pathology. So they're going to do different tests to, to see. Now, if you don't have shoulder instability, or you're not claiming a, a labral tear or something like this, this may not apply to you, right? Clavicle, scapula, AC joint, etc. So different testing, again, cross body abduction test. They have you reach across your body and they press against your arm like this because they want to check and see if your AC joint is having issues. These are not things that you need to know. And I don't want to like bog you down with all the different special testing, but just know there's going to be special testing depending on what your injury is, right? You may be positive or negative for that. Okay. Conditions or impairments of the humerus, that's your arm bone. So they're going to ask specific questions about, you know, does the veterans lo- have loss of head of the or non-union or fibrous union of the humerus? So sometimes if you have a shoulder a total sh- shoulder replacement, they can take out your humeral head and put like a metal one in there, right? They can also do a partial replacement. Surgical procedures. They're going to ask about surgical procedures and which ones you had and when were they, etc. cetera. Complications. Have you had any complications? You know, they're going to ask about scars i think yeah here it is scars scars is on like every dbq so if you had shoulder surgery you probably got a scar related to that surgery assistive devices you have to use a brace or something else they're going to ask this is a big question for special monthly compensation um special monthly compensation is something that you can get rated for outside of the regular, like you can be 100% disabled. And if you meet as one of the SMC criterion, you can get paid on top of your regular 100%, right? Or on top of whatever percent you get. So if, you're, if you would be better off having a amputation or prosthesis, prosthesis because you can't grasp or you can't do things or, or you've got so much pain, you can, you may be entitled to additional compensation, right? So you, you would think that sounds crazy. Like who would rather cut their arm off, right? Who would rather cut their shoulder off? Well, if they've done everything, like they've done a total joint replacement and you're still doing awful, they might consider that, right? I don't know. So diagnostic testing, have you had an MRI, X-ray, CT scans, whatever, yeah, um, yes or no. It's gonna wanna know the results of that. Do you have degenerative or post-traumatic arthritis? Yes or no, what side? So again, this is just more about those imaging studies. Did you have anything else like labs done? Maybe you've got gout or some other kind of rheumatologic psoriatic arthritis, I don't know. Maybe they have labs for you that they wanna annotate here. Does it impact your job? That's on every single DPQ that I've ever seen, right? So do you have difficulty with your job? functional impact, etc. make sure you have some good notes on how it impairs you at the workplace remarks, examiner certification. Okay. So let me stop the screen share. So I hope that was helpful. I love the shoulder joint. I'm going to do a bunch more videos on the shoulder because the shoulder ha- can have like a million things wrong with it. Um, and it's so debilitating guys, like the, the lower extremity stink too. Like, I think I mentioned it back a few weeks ago. Um, I, I broke my foot, right. and and that kind of sucked. I broke it doing karate. So it's not a terrible fracture, but at the same time, like I have to limp around. I have to, you know, bear weight on the other side. If you don't have the ability to use your right arm very well, that is really, really awful. You know, I've had a lot of different fractures in my life. I had stress fractures in my hip. I've broken my toes, you know, um, shoulders are jacked up knees are jacked up all just like you guys, the hard life of all this military stuff. But the upper extremities were seriously one of the worst things I had to experience It's so weird. I think it's because we can kind of compensate on those other extremities and, and it doesn't slow us down too much. But when you're when your arms aren't working, boy, that stinks. So I feel for you guys if you're suffering from that. Um, please drop some comments and let me know what y'all thought about the video. And if you have any questions, always reach out to me and thanks for watching, guys. Yeah.